Well, you can say hi if you want to. Hi, this is Howdy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hi, this is Greg Lamont. Welcome to the Velocast. Nice, really nice, yeah. Welcome back to Sarah Connolly, guru in all things women's cycling, to discuss uh, <laughs> last week's World Professional Elite and Junior Women's Road Races. And in both of them, actually, we were treated to, to some very special spectacles, um, some fantastic technical racing with brilliant tactics in the junior race, and an exploit that will go down in the ages in the women's elite racing. I thought it was a damn good weekend of racing, Sarah. It was so good. I mean, I really felt for the junior women because their course was actually objectively terrible. Yeah. You like how almost everyone else got to do laps. They didn't. They just rode out from Doncaster on the most boring roads possible. And then they rode into Harrogate. Yep. And I really felt for them because it's such bullshit. I mean, people were talking about, oh, my God, the men, the junior, the under-23s and the men's race being changed. Oh, how tragic. And it's like, no, talk about what a fucking dreadful course that was for the junior women. Poor things. But they rode it really, really well. Yeah, let's bear in mind we can't even talk about a women's under-23 race. Oh, God, yes, exactly. And it's really super interesting about one of the things that's amazing about juniors is you don't always get to see the people who are going to be the world's greatest. Like you, of course, have like a, a Nicole Cook or a Mariana Voss who explode out of the juniors and kind of become amazing. Or someone like Lorena Webers this year who mm. had one year. This is her second year as a pro, second year as a pro, uh, second year out of juniors. And she's amazing. But what I love about it is that you can't tell, you know, you can't tell some of these, some of these young women will be incredible, like straight away. Some of them, they'll fade. This was their highest point. And some of them, well, maybe they'll be around for a couple of years and suddenly they'll appear. Like Lisa Brenauer was something like 10 years between her junior ITT world champion and her elite ITT world championship. Well, life gets in the way. It happens with male juniors as well. You know, they discover beer and women and and, having (laughs) to study and all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they do. and that's what Worlds is so important, because at least with the men, when you look at the Nations Cup, plus the UCI point, you know, point one races and UCI point two races, they've got a lot of time that they can race. But for the women, it's something like six races or mm. five races. You know, it's two um, stage races and, you know, three or four day races. So they don't even have a chance to race. And Junior World is so special because it's the first time that all that sacrifice, all that stress, all that giving up everything while their friends are learning to drive and going partying mm. and becoming young adults. And they're just like working, working, working. And for the ones who, you know, win, this is just like some mad vindication. I mean, it's pretty sad for the ones who do dreadfully. But, you know, that's cycling. The race itself was fascinating, I mean, because we had a, a duo away of Kerbal and Soto Campos, and the Chilean actually was the one who I expected to fade first, but mm. she was the one who held out until 3k for the line. And then we <laughs> yeah. saw Gariva, who was so impressive in the time trial, winning the thing despite going off course, Yeah, going to the front like a train, I mean, just like an absolute train. And what really struck me was the, the maturity from Megan Jastrab, the, the American, you know, the way she played that like a sprinter, and we have to remember their unrestricted gears, was just a joy to watch. And there are people you watch in these junior ranks where you think, just what you're saying, they might fall by the wayside, you know, we might not see them move into the seniors. Jastrab rode that like a pro. It was a really impressive ride. Gariva eventually finished out of the medals, which were Julie de Wilde and, and Lika Nugent of the Netherlands. But 
she's a powerhouse. She's going to keep going for the Russian Federation. But I think Yastrab could easily be, you know, one of the, the premier sprinters in the women's sport in four or five years. Yeah, she's incredible. Uh, if you look, if you follow the Women's Junior Nations Cup races, and I do really recommend you look at them, like the Healthy Aging Tour, for example, had a helicopter up for the junior <laughs> women's races, you know, yeah. that you can watch a lot of clips online. Um, it was Just Rub versus Eleanor Backstead as the big name, as the big surprise, big, big story of the women's season, junior women's season. However, this is a surprise because... I, we do not expect juniors, first-year juniors, no less, to come over from the USA and immediately do well because you have to learn positioning. It's like She's doing you know, the opposite the of what you accused Chloe Dagger of doing in the show last <laughs> week. She is, she is. But what she did was like last year, she had a couple of months where she's homeschooled and she had a couple of months where she lived in Belgium doing just basically Belgium crits. Uh-huh. This year she came across for a block of racing with US cycling. But what her skill is, is that she's not allowed to ride UCI uh, races in and at all because she's a first year junior sorry she's not allowed to ride world tour races mm. um, because she's a first year junior but she has been riding uci races and she's been riding it on her junior gears and she said that because she's on her junior gears when she's going up to a sprint against elite women she can't rely on the power with her like limited gears so what she has to do is she's had to learn race tactics and positioning and that is so interesting we saw that Eleanor Baxter had also ridden the Tour of Yorkshire, mm-hmm. you know, on her junior gears. But this is different. This is like you—you you mentioned before that there's no under twenty-three racing. So basically, the junior the junior women go straight from junior gears, junior distances to racing things through literally racing omelette noiseblatt yeah. at the start of the season. Uh, you know, their first year out, and no wonder a lot of them don't make it because this is why we need. The young men, you know, just as there are people like Remco Evenepoel um, who can go straight out of juniors into elites, a lot of them don't 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 want that. No, you know? and they take two or three years to make the transition. It's a brutal transition. Yeah, yeah. and also you have to look, keep learning to win. I was talking to uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that if you domest- if you only domestique, you can lose that killer winning instinct. You know, mm-hmm. and in an ideal world. These young women would have more of a chance to like be battling out against each other and fighting against each other and learning to win. Then at age 22, 23, they can go into the, um, uh, the, 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 you know, the ranks of the, of the proteins. Maybe they, maybe you run them a program where they do some of the very smaller races so they can keep remembering how to win. Mm-hmm. But actually as it is, you just go straight in and you're, unless you're very, very lucky, like Lorena Weber's or um, Amelia Didrikson a couple of years ago when she won the Worlds in Qatar, um, as a very young junior, uh, sorry, very young, as a very young elite rider. But most of them just are sucked into the ranks, you know? Like Yulin Dora, she was a junior world champion and it took her years and years to start winning on the big stage. And I mean, it's not surprising. Like you're still growing, you're still developing. It's a hell of a brutal transition. And while some of them, like let's say Sunweb, gives one of the juniors a, a, a spot. Or Eleanor mm-hmm. Backstead signed with uh, Trek Segafredo. Brilliant. But, you know, look at how many Dutch riders there are in the peloton. It's insane. Yeah, so that's the next thing that UCI needs to do is uh, is, is get some under-23 women's races. But seeing how bad they've been at getting junior races, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Well, let's take just a moment to dissect on a, a kind of technical level what you're talking about with Megan Yastrab. You're talking about her racing against people on unrestricted gearing, using her junior gearing. She's yeah. in 
you know, which is yeah. roughly what you're allowed as a top gear and a junior. And she's sprinting against people who are in maybe in 53 or 54 or 11. Yeah. You know, the, the tactics that you would need to even place in that kind of sprint, it's going to stand her in such good stead when she's in the, you know, yeah. I'm saying proper senior gears and, and the gears for the category as she moves up. She's going to be yeah. an absolute monster. Yeah, I mean, next year, remember, when she starts being able to ride UCI races, uh, so next year, when she starts being able to ride World Tour races, she'll be on her junior gears as, again for another year. But this is so important. You know, we talk a lot about how the American races, they're long, straight, wide roads. Actually, this is a way to win it. I would never, I know when Chloe Digert won the Worlds in Richmond, she did it by powering away from everyone. Mm. And then her teammate, Emma White, came second because she also had the advantage of basically sitting on the chase and then out sprinting them. But this was winning in a, from a bunch sprint. You know, and Ellie Baxter, who's her biggest rival, shot through that, you know, positioned herself badly in that last corner and came, I think she ended up fifth. She finished fifth it's, in the same time. Yeah, and, and exactly. And, and it's it's really, really interesting. I mean, again, I assumed that the Dutch would win because one of the things about the Dutch is that when they're riding the junior races, they're racing against like a US national team, a UK, a GB national team, et cetera, et cetera, who are the four best young riders of their generation, you know, like, the and there they are. Whereas the Dutch are, you know, 50% of the of the um, lineup, at least of the health, junior healthy aging tour, is Dutch teams. So your ten best Dutch riders are probably divided amongst eight teams, and then your ten best Dutch domestiques are probably divided, you know, are, are un, un, unevenly divided. Mm-hmm. So it's always interesting seeing the Dutch come out. But it's been an interesting year for them because normally there's like a standout Dutch rider, but this year there've been so many strong young women winning stages, picking up straight stage wins and, you know, maybe the occasional race win, but but not anywhere near the dominance of the, the Jastrab Backstead fight, yeah? I, I was delighted to see Eleanor Backstead. With, I mean, I, I really like her dad, Maggie, because, you know, my favourite race in the world is, is Paris-Roubaix. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, he looks like a cobble. He doesn't, he doesn't even need one in his mantle. <laughs> just look at his face. And the genuine... One, I was really chuffed that he was absolutely fuming at the organisers that they didn't have the big screens going for the gym, junior women's race. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've turned up. And you could say it's just a mistake, but this happens time and again with women's racing, and particularly with junior women's racing. You know, we've spent years at the, at the Velocast sponsoring the Team 22, who are, you know, yeah. they bring through junior women's racing. And I actually saw some of the riders who have been through Team 22 racing in this race. And the just the general disdain that the government of the sport treats junior women with is, it, it's hard to overexpress how irritating it is. Yeah. You know, this is the is... fucking future of the sport. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, the thing is, is the thing that's really heartbreaking is I'm supposed to go, oh, yeah, it's actually much better than it has been in no, previous years. No, I know, well, I mean, the thing is, on, like, here's two things that they used to do. They used to, one, hold the UCI Congress at the same time as the junior women's race, which was just, so it meant that no journalists were there. Yeah, the one and where just, Brian Cookson was elected above Pat McQuaid, the junior women's race was going on in the background, and yeah. not a single journalist was watching the bloody yeah. thing. 
and and what you know you can't and I mean I, you can blame them because you know a lot of these a lot of these places have got more than one journalist at the at the spot. But I remember like there was one time where um, one time where like Monique Hanley who was out there for doing some press for the Canadian cycling. She does a lot of stuff for mm-hmm. Australia for cycling uh, Victoria. She was she was basically the only person giving updates and I was giving updates based off Tissot timing, I remember. which is, you know, which is, you know, you sit and, and it's, it's heartbreaking. So at least, at least it was being, it was on TV, it was on the BBC and, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like at the same time as the, um, as the UCI Congress, but holy shit, isn't that the lowest bar possible? Yeah. You know, we give it the same coverage as we give the junior men and we don't, try and steal all the journalists away but we give them a terrible course we don't even bother putting out the big screens and we assume that no one's interested and that really is heartbreaking yeah. because actually when you look at the young the the when you look at the under 23 men and the junior women and the junior men the one that we had the biggest chance of meddling in in both the road race and the itt was the junior women yeah you know, yeah. uh, with Ellie, with Eleanor, Ella Baxter and a super strong team. And yes, she was fifth in the um, in the in the road race, but that was a really creditable fifth. Yeah. And I, you know, she and she won a bronze medal. You know, they that that's how it should be. They should be looking at it and going, "We are singing Lizzie Dynan's pra- praises to the skies." In ten years' time, that could be Ellie. You know, it could be Eleanor and and her sister because her sister Zoe is also is under seventeen at the moment, and those two are going to be terrifying in the future. Um, yeah, it's really it was really interesting. But you know, all praise to Megan Jastrab and USA Cycling. It was just great. And did you know that was the first Dutch junior women's medal since two thousand and five, where Mariana Vos got silver? Well, there's big shoes to fill, wasn't it? That's bonkers. Like when you think of all the talent that have come through and all the amazing riders that have been Dutch juniors since, you know, I mean, Chantal Bluck's been world champion since then, right? Like, uh, and Evander Blegger was, yeah. uh, you know, has been, was, has come up, has come up through then, you know, some of the really big names of the sport. And you're like, wow, like that's not, that's a, and that's because they start off as like absolutely the team to mark A. B, they don't get to race as much together because actually if you're Megan Jastrab, you've ridden with Katie Klaus, for example. Yeah. Um, all the way through the season, and you know, if, you've, if you're Anna Backstead, you've ridden with the other, you know, the other young, the other other young juniors. But yeah, um, you know, temp, full credit to the Dutch because you know your first medal since Voss is is nothing to be sniffed and sniffed at. Do you know the funny thing is? I mean, I remember watching um, national level junior races, both you know, boys and girls, men, young men and young women, and they were just a joke because nobody had a clue what was going on. You know, the pace lines were terrible yeah. because they hadn't learned. Their tactics were appalling. This was just like watching senior racing. Yeah. It, I yeah. mean, such an advance in, never mind two decades since I was last racing and watching the sport live in the ground. In the last mm. five years, the difference in tactical awareness of these young women is just astonishing. And I want to say something about why that is, because for years I worked on the Healthy Aging Tour. Let's say three years I was doing media for the media for the Healthy Aging Tour and they run their junior race alongside their elite race. And you turn up, you're staying in exactly the same accommodation in this amazing sports themed uh, holiday park. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're riding on exactly the same roads, but maybe the juniors do two laps, three laps of a course and the elites do, you know, five or something Mm. and on exactly the same days. And just being around the elites shows you how to up your game. I mean, when I was there first going there, there were there were teams who were, 
you know, just basically getting changed out of cars. And the last time I went, a couple of years ago, you had people in camper vans with like flashes, you know, with decals on their cars. And yeah, it was a tiny team. And basically someone's parents had scammed some money out of someone to like sponsor a team, you know. But there are the... Honestly, when I there are some elite women's race, if you went to an elite women's race, you'd still see some teams in like Omloop at Noiseblad where people were getting changed out of cars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guarantee those junior women were racing in the same course, were coming back after their own race and watching the elite women to work out where yeah. they could do better next year. Yeah, and Trofeo Alfredo Bindo has its junior race, um, the Trofeo Dan Moreno, where, again, it's same women, same same roads, same loop. It's mm. a very kind of famous loop. They start off in a different route, but they come on the same loop that's been in the race forever. And that's, again, a huge advantage. It means that next year, when they go to a Healthy Aging Tour with their pro team or, or Trofeo Binder, they know what they're going to expect. And they know that actually, you know what, we did like, okay, let's say we did five loops of this course, but the elite women did eight. Okay, that's where I need to be. And like you say, they can watch it on TV live and they can look at it and go, oh, wow, that's how they took it. Wow, that's different. But the other really amazing thing is they get to watch what the elite teams look like together because everyone eats their meals in this same gigantic um, sports hall. And they can see what it's like to work together and they're staying in exactly the same accommodation. And they can see I could be there. Yes. And the other thing that's really exciting is that the DSers and the teams see them too. Yeah. And anyway. that's, yeah, that's super interesting. So, I mean, it's Tyson Rontuis and um, uh, Daniela and Eileen Beckering, but who they're both uh, former pro cyclists Tice mm. used to run run teams and Tice uh he also run they their organization also runs the bowls ladies tour and they are absolutely fantastic for dutch sports like they are incredible and they've been pushing you know when you've got dutch racers that are live on tv this is better than flesh wallon does for the elites right mm-hmm. this is better than paris Roubaix, who don't even have a women's race yeah but these racers and the, they're well, just the damage to their undercarriage sarah have a heart juniors it was very exciting um if you haven't seen it dear listener please it's probably um if you're in the bbc if you're on the bbc you maybe be able to find it yeah. on the website if not i mean it's bound to have got onto some pirated thing channels somewhere around the web but watch the rate um it's not the greatest course so you might sit there going oh this is quite boring but they rode it as well as you could ride that terrible course you know in the terrible pouring rain yeah. and yeah they had some there's a lot of crashes um Rochelle Gilmore was making the really good point that actually when you're a junior rider, you've never ridden a peloton before. And when a rider comes towards you, you don't have the confidence to push back. And so you might go over. Yeah. But also, you know, at the same time, you know, we, it, you also have to remember that with any world's field, it's full of like non-cycling countries. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Look at the crashes we had in the elite men's and you know, oh, the elite yeah. women's and all that kind of thing. It yeah, was no, a very technical they... course. You had to be technically extremely competent to navigate yeah. that course. And in the rain, because you know, do you know what? It's actually a surprise that it rains in Yorkshire in, in the end of September. Um, I mean, God, you know, how how can it be dark in the end of September at seven o'clock in the rain? I mean, <laughs> I lived in Leeds for seven years. It's like, oh my God, who would I could never have guessed this yeah. thing. I'm just amazed that it wasn't raining more. <laughs> no, it, it was epic. Um, now we've talked about how the junior women have have taken strides forward in their tactical awareness, how it's <laughs> like watching a professional race. 
um, how you know you can you can watch it play out and you can use all of that tactical awareness that you built up watching men's and women's racing over the decades, and and almost predict how things are going to happen. There might be some small deviations, and then in the elite women's race, what the fuck happened there? You know. So the elite women, I, I, they went in, the Dutch went in. Do you know they had 20 world championship gold medals between those um, eight women? Mm, 20. I mean, Mariana Vos has 12, right? But still, like, there's, there was only Florcia Bakai and Rihanna Marcus who didn't have a, who didn't have a gold medal. And you're like, wow, that's, that's something. Like, that's, that's bonkers. Like, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, poor Anna van der Brega, she's only got one gold. <laughs> Yeah, she's rubbish. I mean, she's she's barely worth yeah. turning up. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you go, oh, you know, oh, Lucinda, you know, how are you coping with your own? Yeah, and you're just, it's, it was an insanely strong team. And we all knew that they started as a favourite. But yeah, I, in no planet did I predict that race. <laughs> okay, so Animate Van Vleuten, I, I refuse to believe that this was a plan to win the race. No, well, you I, don't I, go I, off at, what is it, 104 right. kilometres to go? Yeah. She popped I, off the front of the bunch. Yeah, she attacked. So basically, she attacked on the Loft House climb. Now, the women know this circuit because it was raced. Uh, the, the Tour of Yorkshire was the standalone Tour of Yorkshire in 2017. And it was exactly the same course, except for the fact that it didn't have the laps at the end, mm. right? And in that race on Loft House, a group had gone up the road. Uh, Lizzie Danen, Anna van der Brega, and Danny King had attacked. Well, Lizzie and Anna launched their team, their, their, their attack, caught the group trashed the group then later on they dropped everyone except for lizzie anna and danny king then later on they dropped anna van der Breger. then lizzie dana and soloed 14k yeah. to win so we knew that loft house was going to be important and so anna Meek van vleuten attacked on loft house and just went the, i mean uh, the, the hugely exciting thing for me because i've, I've seen people actually people who have I've talked to at some length you know subscribers that we've had for years who didn't watch the race because, you know, some people had to work. Um, yeah. And, and they said to me, is it worth watching? And what <laughs> I said was actually, if you know the result, it might not be. But if you watch it without knowing what the result is, the tension, because she never got a big enough gap that it was yeah. nailed on, was yeah. actually, I was on the edge of my seat for like the yeah. last 40 kilometres. Yeah. Now, was, it felt like a bad move for the Dutch because Annemiek's gone up the road. There's a group of about eight that includes Anna van der Blegger. But out of the eight Dutch riders, there's only one up the road and then one in the in the chase group. And the chase group has Chloe Digert, Elisa Longo Borghini, um, Amanda Spratt. Yeah, big it has hitters. like uh, it has um, Cecilia Utop Ludwig. You know, uh, it has uh, all these riders who you'd expect to be there. Um, Clara Koppenberg from the Germans, and then behind them there's another chase group. Now, the thing that was really interesting is there's no radios. And, for example, that means the Dutch, the rest of the Dutch behind them are never going to get any um, any support mm -hmm. or even very, very, very little information. They were kind of complaining that Corin Rivera had a really interesting uh, thing about it where she was saying she hates riding without radios because no one really organised the chase because actually the problem was was that almost everyone had a big country, had a teammate up the road. Yeah, that's and, proper racing, though. You have to think for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, and, and actually, at that point, people, oh my God, the Dutch have lost it. The Dutch have lost it because, you know, I mean, what I expected to happen was they'd chase back and catch Annemiek van Vleuten. And then Annemiek and Anna would, 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 would team up 
and the Van der Blegger, and they'd attack and they'd ping and they'd go off and they'd and you know and maybe they'd maybe one of them would launch a 30k attack from the finish, but it felt quite risky for them at that point. But no, I mean Van Vleuten was just. I mean, she does do a lot of training. She trains a lot and she really likes altitude camps and she likes riding far more than she needs to, right? Yeah, and she does a lot of training with men's training camps as well, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, and she's not, and she just, but she does a lot of solo riding as well. And once she was gone, she was gone. And I don't think, the thing is, is the Dutch, when they come together, they'll do, any one of us can get gold. It's a team win. And their DS is Luz Honewijk, who was an amazing rider, like a really, really strong, she was a road captain. And she's a really strong former rider. She's ridden with, you know, she's ridden with Annemiek. She's ridden with Mariana Voss's team. You know, she's mm. she's 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 just a really super strong, exactly exactly who you want to be. DSing, you know, the Americans had Ina Yoko Teutenberg, who was the best Legend. sprinter. Yeah, absolute goddess. And so it was it was super interesting because you're like Annemiek just wasn't gonna stop, and she was super disappointed because. Um, she, you know, she wanted to get her third ITT World Champs in a row and didn't, and was beaten by Anna, Anna van der Blegger, her teammate. But yeah, it was just Anna was in a laughing. Anna was in the laughing row, in the laughing spot, right? And everyone else is like a bit edgy. Oh, and Lizzie Danen was in the chase group. Well, I, actually, I want to talk about Lizzie because I mean, mm. I, I think what we saw from Lizzie um, was essentially. And, you know, she's coming back after after having a child. Um, yeah. And we've seen time and again that, that female athletes come back and are, are capable of performing absolutely yeah. at the highest level again. Yeah. And Marta Bastianelli, who won the Flanders this year, yeah. has, got a couple, no, got, has got a kid. You know? and, it's, you know, it's, there's, there's endless tales of women distance runners, for example, coming back. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's not say that it's a plucky comeback after having a child. You know, that's yeah, that's yeah, just something yeah. that happens. Yeah. I actually thought Lizzie's racing brain was spot on. I thought she knew exactly what to do. She knew exactly where to do it. And we saw her do it with that 14K solo before that you were talking about. Yeah. But she's 5% off her best. No, she, yeah. She I, just yeah, wasn't she... able to deliver what her brain told her had to be done. I think, I don't think it was just that either. Like, she came in with a very weak team. We talked about this last week. She came in with a really, with a weak team. You know, yes, the Barnes sisters are great, but that was not, they were not the Dutch. They were not no. the Americans. They weren't the Italians. You know, they weren't the Germans. Like, you know, they're way down the list of who's the team. She was going to have to ride that solo. The thing that Lizzie normally has is a superpower of making people work in the break. Like I, people say it, like, I don't even know why, why, why I raced like that. It was insane thinking back on it. Why was I yeah, working with Lizzie? too much work. Because because what was I thinking? I don't even know what she said, but it sounded really convincing at the time. I, I must have been crazy. That's her superpower. But and she, but I think she was doing too much chasing. And she has a Lizzie always has a great excuse. You know, she every when Lizzie wins, it was the hardest race in the world. But when Lizzie loses, no one else was really working, and it yeah. was a terrible race, and it wasn't aggressive. And no, I was the only person trying to make it aggressive. And she did do that in her interview. She said, oh, everyone else was riding for silver. And you're like, well, a obviously Anna van der Blegger was. But B, no, they weren't. I mean, you saw Chloe Diger try to No, escape, there was all sorts right? of through and off good on it. Was it, it was, was a concerted chase? Yeah, it was like, but, and she did try and she did try and she did try. But I think, I think she got carried away with the situation. See, I disagree with you because I think that her racing brain wasn't quite there. You think she like, got I carried think, away with home turf? 
I think she got carried away with home turf. She got carried away with wanting, you know, she's been talking about this retiring after Tokyo, although every time anyone asks her, she goes, oh, I've never said that, even though she's said it in like the last five interviews. A very Lizzy thing to do. I don't dislike her. You know, I I enjoy her a lot, but like it's her interviews are hilarious. But she doesn't. So I think that her racing brain was off. And I think that having had last year off and this year very carefully only riding one race a month after she rode the Ardennes. Mm -hmm. She started there. She's only ridden one race every month. I think she just had forgotten a little bit that everyone else has stepped up. And I feel for her because, but like I said last week, it would have been a fairy tale if she'd have won because, you know, I think, yes, she was also 5% off her best, but I don't think her racing brain was, was as plugged in as it should have been, you know, like, it was such a fun race to watch in the end game. Like once they hit the, I mean, the thing that I found really interesting, if people saw it, it kind of, they kind of lost riders, shed riders, shed riders, shed riders. And in the end, it was um, Anna van der Blegger, Chloe Deigert, um, Amanda, Scott. Amanda Spratt and Elisa Longo Bugini. Yeah. And then Chloe Deigert pinged off. And I actually, I, I, I meant to have a, a small discussion with you about Chloe Deigert because <laughs> She was definitely, uh, how can we say it, you nailed it absolutely about her bike handling and the big straight roads because she was the only person that really looked uncomfortable in the corners. But then once she went, she actually, she seemed to gain once she was out of that group, you know, once she was away trying to establish the thing solo. I think, I actually think she rode the best race she could. And what happened to her was essentially the same as what we saw with Matthew van der Poel in the men's race. Yeah, she was, just she just didn't have the distance in her legs. No, no, I think she bonked. Um, yeah. When I was watching it, yeah, because um, Rochelle Gilmore and um, Ned Bolting were talking about it on the coverage and saying that they hadn't, like, even before she bonked, they were like, Ned was saying, I haven't seen her eat or drink. Yeah. And once you get into the once you get into the um into the circuit, you're not you don't have your team car with you anymore, right? And because the old you're supposed to take food and drink. The, yeah, by the time you, you think about eating and drinking it's too late. Yeah, and it's three laps of fourteen kilometers, right? And I think that, and, and the other thing that was really super interesting was it looked like she, oh my god, she's got away, she's got away. But then when they when then the trio behind her, when they gained back on her they just let her ride, you know, they let her ride by herself, keeping her within catching distance. They knew that they could catch her when they sped up and they just let her go. I think the technical was, term was they hung her out to try. Yeah. And of course they are. This is Anna van der Brega, Elisa Longo Borghini and Amanda Spratt. You know, these are, if you don't know Spratty, she's an absolutely tough as nails Australian domestique. Um, super, just, just, she's been around forever. She's a, you know, really like gutsy rider and she's just getting better and better um you might have seen her nearly win but fail in the, uh, in the well, course. She, she was one of my one of my say picks for the world because yeah. of those very characters yeah. that you're talking about she was second last year right yeah. then you've got elisa longo borghini who bless her heart doesn't win that often but when she wins it's spectacular like she won a flanders with a um attacking in the wrong place and having a 35k solo yeah. ride she's very very strong and you've also got to remember that and then Anna van der Blegger who was a world champion last year and you know we used to joke that Anna van der Blegger um just didn't have any tactical skills but she was just very 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 powerful but she's learned them you know she's learned them over the years she learned with Marina Voss she's been at Bors Dolmans um she and- played the perfect teammate on Saturday yeah but you know what this was exactly the same scenario as the Olympics where in the Olympics where before her terrible crash there was 
um, Annemiek van Vleuten out ahead, an American at that time, Mara Abbott, in between, who's got a really good strong time tile, and behind her, Anna van der Breger, Elisa Longo Borghini, and then it was Emmy Johansson, you know? Mm. So this was a situation, this is a scenario that Anna van der Breger played just genius. And I think that even if even if Digert hadn't bonked, when she was caught by that, by the, I can't remember if they dropped Elisa at that time or not, but when they she had, was caught. They, they just dropped Elisa Borghini. Yeah. Elisa and, Longo Borghini. And they dropped her. And I think when they caught her, she tried to stay on. But I think it was the absolute shock of being caught that broke her. Like, I think she was broken finally, emotionally and mentally, rather as well as physically. Because this is a girl who won the last, the Colorado Classic by just powering off into the distance and winning every stage. And, yeah, the and whole that thing, time trial. Blah, blah, blah. And that time trial, she's she believes her own. Americans, you know, can often believe their own hype. You know what I mean? And there was this, and there was a lot of hype about her. And there's a lot of talk about how she would do what Annemiek van Vleuten did, right? Mm -hmm. But actually, I think when she was caught, I don't think she's used to it. And I think that when you've, I mean, if you've been caught by Van der Breger and Amanda Spratt, you know, bring your A game because they've ridden against the absolute world's best. Yeah, they might not have always won, especially Spratty, who I adore. But you know, they've they've ridden against the world's best, and they let. I think they let. I think they hung her out there to exhaust her, so they knew that when they caught her, she wouldn't go again. Can, can just, I can I make a small confession? Yeah. See when she went. At that point, which was on uh, the Oak Ridge climb, um, yeah. I I actually thought at that point she's super impressive. We've seen the time trial; she's capable of winning this. And I think my tweet at the time was, if it was anybody but Annemiek van Vleuten at the front, I would say that Chloe Diger at this point was the red hot favourite. Oh, you see, I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't you were right. So. I mean, that, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I was wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think because actually, I think if it had been Anna van der Breger, if it had been Elisa, that let's say it had gone the way I expected it to go, which blah blah blah, for, you know, lots of attacking, attritional, attritional, tons of attacking, small groups, whittle whittle. Lucinda someone goes Brand at fifty. Job done. Yeah, Lucinda Brand goes in the um in the technical section of the circuit. Mariana Voss goes in the technical section of the circuit and takes some technical riders with her, like let's say Lizzie Dynan, Lucinda Brand. Mariana Voss, you know, um, a couple of riders like that, you know, uh, Cassini and Neodome, I don't know, riders like that, they've gone. And then Chloe Digert jumps out after them. I don't think she'll be able to get them because I don't think, I just don't think you can, I'm glad, I've got to say, I'm really glad about it because I think it's really important for the sport that you can't, she's never raced in Europe, yeah, right? She's never raced in Britain. She's got the, had the opportunity yeah. to, just chooses not to. Raw power and, isn't enough, you need racecraft. Yeah, exactly. And that's the opposite. That's the difference between Megan Jastrab as a junior rider versus Chloe Diger as an elite rider. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that Chloe Diger won't, you know, build on her power and use it in the future. Although, you know, obviously with the terrible things happening to track, then, you know, maybe that's going to be harder. But like, it's not, it's not, um, but, but I think it was important for the sport. It was important for the sport. It's important for Daiga. It's important for the Americans to see. You know, she had Ina Longo, she had Ina Yoko Teutenberg in the team car, giving her as much help as possible, you know. Mm. She had her mentor, Kristen Armstrong, has won the uh, Ronde van Vlaanderen twice by getting into two women breaks with Judah Arndt, you know. So she has got people giving her that advice. But, you know, in the same way as you have to bonk in a big race to know that you have to eat and drink every 10 minutes, you have, you know, she also has to know that you can't just rely on strength to win against these really wily Dutch women. You know, they're not, 
you may be the strongest rider in the ITT, but you're not going to win the road race, you know? I tell you one thing that really actually impressed me, and it's, it's almost an aside, it's nothing to do with the racing, is we've seen some fantastic social media from Annemiek after the event. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really celebrating the rainbow jersey, but also really classy response from Chloe Dygart. You know, to, yeah. to not being able to keep up. And I, I really think that you and I and Scott and I and, you know, endless numbers of subscribers can go banging on about who good women's racing is. But the social media aspect, I keep going, I say the same thing about men's racing. It's the complete package. You know, you need someone who can deliver on the road. Pers again, yeah. the perfect example, but who can engage people with social media. And these people are really coming through in the women's sport. I think, you know, we're, we're on the cusp of a breakthrough. And the, we, the racing in Yorkshire could only build on that because it was bloody great. No, we've had that for years with the women, to be fair. So for years and years, the only way, way you knew what happened in a race was Vicky Whitelaw's blog. She was an Australian cyclist, hard as nails, domestique, and Liz Hatcher's tweets, and Marina Vos, you know, someone like Marina Voss's tweets. And for years, the women were making their own media, making their own videos. You would be, you'd have Australian riders like making their own videos. Gracie Elvin making videos for her parents back home because no one could watch them race. And they weren't getting the same level of support. They weren't getting the same level of like media coverage. And so they had to be, they had to make their own media. They had to build their own following. When Cervelo Test Team had a women and a men's team and they were doing those incredible videos, they only did one for the women. They only did two for the women at Vagorda, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you, to get to know a rider, you followed her social media, you followed her blog, you 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 know you you became you felt like you knew her and yeah. in a way weird sort of way that's become more dilute now because there's so many different forms of social media but it's also become more dilute because women don't need that as much you know and it's not but they're still there and a lot of these women a lot of them could be making a lot more money doing an office job at 25 than they are making out of cycling. You know, they've got to be, if they want to get their own sponsors, they've got to push it themselves. They, they're not like, the difference between your junior men and women in Cycling Australia or, or British Cycling, they're treated the same, except that women don't race so much, up until the point that they go to the elites. And then suddenly, you know, you're a young Aussie riding for Mitchelton Scott or a young Brit riding for Team Sky. And you've got all that resources thrown at you. Caleb Ewan, for example, yeah. is going to be making minty minty money much more than like you know megan jastrap you know i mean actually megan jastrap's a great example because quinn simmons is going to be snapped up by a team and he's going to be a pro he's going to have someone to look after his media hundreds his, of thousands yeah whereas megan jastrap is you know going to college because the college has got a really good collegiate cycling team yeah and she can still race and she has to go to college because, you know, a sponsorship will do it. But also she can't trust that it'll make her bags and bags of money. So she's going to get a degree at the same time, you know, and that's that's and maybe for someone who's like when she's 18 and 19, maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, she because we don't have an under 23 race. So maybe she just stays in the States, mm -hmm. does some trips over to Europe hones her craft and follows Corin Rivera and so you know coming over and winning Flanders <laughs> I mean it's been an absolutely fascinating week I think the the women have done us proud as have the men's oh, I, I mean I genuinely I was saying on on social media talking about social media that every year for the last probably five years I've watched the elite women's road race and thought well the men's race is going to have to be absolutely bloody amazing to, you know to match that and often yeah. it hasn't 
You know, yes, the women's yes. race has been the best road race of the entire bloody week. Yeah, and that's partly because they they show up for it. Yeah? yeah, like they don't just show up for it physically. But you know, number of stars who weren't in the men's race to start with. B the number of people who just weren't there like they were there physically but they weren't there mentally or they uh, weren't there part- early long before the physical reserves yeah away. yeah exactly and you know maybe it's like you know Geraint thomas talking about how hard it was to ride the tour this year and come second and, mm. and the emotional toll it took on him and yeah, blah 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 and all the guys right. yeah i know all the guys who all the guys who like race the vuelta i understand that but at the same time i think the for, so for the women always for the women for the olympics and the world's they're sending better caliber of riders and they are so much more committed, you know, like I love the fact that Elia Viviani, who wasn't picked for the road team was there riding the, that weird relay race, yeah. you know, like that's because, you know, the Italians, they just love, they love pulling on the, um, they love pulling on the team Jersey and they love racing together. I, I, I think we're done. I mean, I genuinely think <laughs> we're done. I think we've discussed yeah. the races to put to perfection. Sarah, it's a privilege to talk to you about women's cycling. I mean, there is no, there is genuinely nobody in the world who knows it like you do. Even now, though, you profess to be stepping away from the sport. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And um, big love to all your listeners. I especially appreciate all the people who say nice things to me on Twitter. I, your support really means a lot to me. And thank you. I really love you all. Yeah, well, <laughs> what I've particularly enjoyed this week is the, the dozens of people have said, Sarah, Sarah, you need to come back. And essentially, you've just told them to fuck off. Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I've no doubt I'll be able to drag you back at some point to talk about women's racing. But I well, think for, uh, for two 2019 we're done thank you very much Sarah Connolly <laughs>